Welcome to Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Welcome. And I do know that on uh, these baptism Sundays, we have friends and family, and welcome to you as well. My name's Tim. I get to serve on pastoral staff here. I'm just getting a few things. Watch me fall in the water. That would be classic, wouldn't it? Everybody would remember this Sunday. That Sunday, Tim fell in the water. Um, so as I'm, uh, as I'm doing this, we are, we're picking up. We've been in this Creed series uh, we were back in it back in April, and then we shifted gears to Mission Emphasis Month during uh, the month of May, and now we're coming back to Creed, and we're going to be in it for the next uh, four weeks or so. So if you missed the first part, uh, the messages are online if you'd like to check that out. And um, just kind of a FYI, if, you're, if you'd like to go further in your study of the Apostles' Creed, a good book just came out. I think we have a picture of the Apostles' Creed. It's actually published by our local Lexham Press. I know even some of the folks here uh, work over with Faith Life and Lexham by Ben Meyer. So if you're looking for a good resource, I'd recommend that one by Ben. Um, so uh, today we're going to focus on this little part of the Apostles' Creed, this, these six powerful words. And the six words are... I believe in the Holy Spirit. Six words. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, I didn't even realize this. I was poking around this week. Uh, In the past, oh, ten years or so, there's been this movement of writing six-word memoirs. You've heard of this? Anybody? Six-word memoirs. So I was was reading some six-word memoirs this week. Uh, Stephen Colbert uh, did one. He said, well... I thought it was funny, <laughs> which is actually funny. At least I find that funny. Uh, so I was, sitting, I was sitting, and I was like, what would I do if I had to write a six-word memoir? How would I write it? And what, the first thing that popped in my mind was, met a girl, moved west, kids. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much that's where I, I'm at. Um, so some of you now, uh, some of you are going to be spending the next... You're going to be, this morning, I know this is going to happen. Some of you are going to be thinking, like, what's my six-word memoir? You're not even going to pay attention to what I'm saying, but you will have a finely honed statement at the end of the morning. So at least share it, will you? Six words right there. You see what I did? Yeah. Um, so uh, six-word uh, memoir, but you could do a lot worse if you said my six-word memoir. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's a loaded statement. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Spirit. I was thinking about um, kind of our, our society, modern Western society, and what if, what if our kind of like modern, um, the modern secular West wrote a six-word memoir? And what, uh, what came into my head was this, alone in universe, solved it ourselves. Alone in universe, solved it ourselves. We fixed it, we figured it out, we put it together, we controlled it. By ourselves. And I think at least certain, uh, certain strains of, of kind of the modern West think that sums up. But um, I would say that the six words, I believe in the Holy Spirit, uh, could hardly be more different than that statement. Uh, because ultimately to say I believe in the Holy Spirit is to say uh, we're not alone. That there is a, uh, a God of relationship. A God, a three-in-one divine community behind this universe. We are not alone. 
And more than that, ultimately, the things that count most in this life, we will be unable to solve and control and fix and figure out on our own. The things that most matter in your life, you will need a power, a person, a source. I will need someone bigger than me to do it right, to live into it wholly as we're meant to. And I think I believe in the Holy Spirit captures this idea. And so I want to talk about that with you this morning. I want to, the text I want to look at this morning that kind of leans into what, is, what does it mean to say I believe in the Holy Spirit? Uh, oh, and what this is, just so we know where we're at, this is the entire creed with the, the line that we're looking at highlighted today. But the text we're going to be in this morning is going to be Romans chapter 8. If you want to follow along, if you have a Bible, you want to follow along. Romans is after the book of Acts. It's before 1 Corinthians. And uh, it's a letter. This is a, we're reading a letter from the first century uh, A.D. that uh, a man named Paul wrote to followers of Jesus in the city of Rome. That's why it's called Romans. And it's one, there's a few of Paul's letters that are really kind of systematic approaches to what uh, to, to what is God do, doing in the world through Jesus, and how do we get caught up in what God is doing in the world through Jesus? And Romans is one of these kind of systematic overviews. What is God, has he, and is he doing in the world through Jesus, and how, do we, and how are we part of that? And, and so Romans, kind of, Paul goes through this in this letter, and he focuses on this section on how do we get incorporated by the Spirit in what God's doing? And I want to look at that with you this morning. I think it's helpful to kind of illustrate what do we mean when we say this. So um, I'm going to begin in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did... By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be met fully in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, pause there for a second. Now, we, that's a, it's a dense passage. There's a lot that we could explore in there. But I, wanna, I simply want to pull out for us this morning... Something that Paul is, uh, is taking implicitly for granted. Paul is implicitly taking for granted in this that when he talks about God, he needs to use three names. God, proper, God the Father, Christ Jesus, and the Spirit. Paul's taking, there's this implicit taking for granted that God is described as three persons. God, Christ Jesus, and the Spirit. And traditionally, Christians have talked about this in terms of the Trinity, or God is triune. That there is this three-in-oneness in God. There is one God in three persons. And the same reality is pulled out in the Creed. If you've been with us during the Creed series, you'll notice that the Creed itself is kind of broken into three sections. The first section talks about God the Father, the second section talks about God the Son, Jesus Christ. And the third section, as we're looking at today, begins with God the Holy Spirit. That God is, God is three persons in one God. And, and I know for some people, they hear that and they're like, okay, that's confusing. That doesn't make sense. I don't get it. And what does that mean? And I just wanted to pause for a second. 
What is the significance for that? And I think there's a, there's a key significance, at least in the way it's impacted me in my life. And the key significance is, is this, that ultimate reality, what is really real, like behind everything, is persons in relationship. That ultimate reality is persons in relationship. That God, ultimate reality, is three persons in this divine community of love. The Father loving the Spirit, loving the Son, loving the Father, loving the Spirit. This divine community of love. I think that's so critical. I mean, today, if you ask people, what is really real? What is ultimate reality? I think one of the major answers you'll get is that what is ultimately real is impersonal stuff. Matter, right? This stuff, this is what's most real. Human personalities are, you know, personality is an emergent quality of complex systems or something, you know, uh, persons are are flukes. That ultimately what's really real is a quantum field of possibility or something like that. That it's impersonal stuff is what is really real. And I'm not saying that those, those, those scientific explanations of the universe aren't true. What I'm saying is they're not ultimate. That you can go farther than that. And ultimately, I think behind that is a God of persons in relationship. Father, Son, Spirit, a divine community of love. I grabbed this from my office. My kids' handprints. And what I'm arguing is that this is closer to what is most real in the universe than this is. That what is really real is a divine community of love, Father, Son, Spirit, and that that is the foundation of all things. And so when we talk about the Trinity, that is what we're talking about. So if this is what's really real, this eternal relationship, self-giving love, and oh, I, the one other thing I wanted to add on that is this isn't, when, when we talk about the Trinity as followers of Jesus, this isn't something that people kind of sat around and kind of, uh, you know, what might the universe be like? Hmm. It, people weren't expecting the Trinity. People weren't looking for the Trinity. It started with a data point. It started with a fact. Something happened. This man, Jesus of Nazareth, this first century Jew, human person, went around doing and saying things, claiming to be the God of the universe, and then was executed, and then came back to life, and then his followers had this encounter with God's spirit, and then they said, what do we do with this? This thing that we encountered, what do we do with it? And so when we talk about this, it's not something people philosophize to. It's something happened, and they had to make sense of it. And the sense they made is ultimate reality is triune, a God who is divine persons in loving relationship with one another. So when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we are, this is what we're saying. We believe this is what's really real. And more than that, we believe, and this is kind of the next idea I want to look at, we believe that we have a living, ongoing connection to this God. I want to look now... Uh, Pick up again in that same part of Romans. Romans, I think we're in verse 5. All right. Paul goes on. He says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit 
is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, the idea that I want to look at here is there are these three phrases that I will pull out, and I think we have them highlighted on this next slide. That uh, Paul talks about that he talks about living in accordance with the Spirit. He talks about having a mindset on what the Spirit desires. The Spirit has desires in us and for us. And then it talks about a mind governed by the Spirit, and that being life and peace. But what I want to focus is these are all present tense realities, right? That it's this here and now, present tense, current life experience connection with this living God. The Spirit is about this this here and now connection with the living God. God, when, when, when we go through the creed, the first part of the creed talks about the, what the, the Father created all things. And that's, that's, that's beautiful, and it's past tense. The second part of the creed about Jesus, it talks about him, it talks about what he, him coming to earth and dying. That's past tense, and it talks about him coming again, which is future tense. But when we come to talk about the Spirit, we are talking about present tense, here and now connection to this triune God. This is our living here and now connection to God. And I think this is so critical because one of, the, one of the ways we can drift in our world today, and uh, I feel this, a lot of people have written about this, one of the ways we can drift in our world today, if you're a follower of Jesus, is we can drift into kind of a functional atheism, a practical atheism, where we can have ideas about God, we can affirm truths about God, But in our here and now, present tense living, we can basically live as if there's no God. We're going to solve it, fix it, control it, do it ourselves. We don't need to lean into, to depend on, to trust on, to be led by the Spirit here and now. I think this is a real way that we can drift in our personal lives, in our lives together, that we're going to figure it out, solve it, fix it ourselves. And I think Paul's saying, no, we need a present tense, here now, leading, guiding, desiring of the Spirit in and through us. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? I think one community corporate example that came to my mind is this. You all aware of this, uh, the Me Too movement in America today? And how the Me Too movement is now coming to the church. And how we are hearing about places where uh, women have not been protected and respected. Where they've been taken advantage of. Where power has been used against them, particularly by men. And it is heartbreaking. What do we do with it? How do we respond to it? And I think one of, the, one of the solutions that floats around in our world, one of the ways, the, the, the answers offered and how do we respond to this is set the right policies, get the right procedures, set the right structures, do the right trainings, do the right education, right? And, and that's all... The, there's nothing wrong with those things. And those are helpful. We need healthy structures. We need proper boundaries. But, but the, the, we also, we need the Spirit of God to change hearts. 
We need the Spirit of God to change hearts. And yes, we need, to, we need policies and structures and training, all that. But at the end of the day, that won't go far enough. There's this place where we have to say we need more than that. We can't do it on our own. And we need to be a people in America that cry out, that we say, that we say Jesus, like something has gone wrong and we are sorry. Spirit, would you help us? Spirit, we want something different for our children and our grandchildren. God, we need hearts of integrity. We want, our, we want our sons to respect women and look at them as people, as image bearers, not objects. God, we want our, our, our daughters to feel empowered. God, will you help us? And I believe the Spirit will lead us into those structures and those trains, those, those other things. I think the Spirit will lead us, but there's this place that as followers of Jesus, we recognize that we can't fix these things in and of ourselves, that we need deep heart change, relationship change. We need to cry out to the Spirit of God. I, I think that we could, you know, you can multiply the examples. I think about, when, you know, raising my own kids, parenting. That I need the Spirit of God. Daily, at 6.05 a.m., right? I, I, I try to read parenting books. I, you know, try to read a parenting book a year at least and learn, track, you know, strategies of solving conflict and all the, you know, behavior of this and that. And, but at the end of the day, like, I want to be, you know, I want good um, ideas about being a parent. But at the end of the day, I realize, like, I just have to cry out to the Spirit of God, like, help me be a dad and help shape my kid's heart because it's just, like, having the right strategies isn't, I can't solve it myself. And so the Spirit is our living here and now connection to God. And it's those places, it's, the, the Spirit does things in us that we can never do for ourselves. And we have to be people who lean into the Spirit on a daily basis. I want to just offer a question for us this morning. Uh, how do we phrase that? Can we, can we go to that question slide? Yeah, there we go. Um, where have you been doing it on your own? And you need to ask for the Spirit's help. Where's that place? Maybe it's something corporate that you've been thinking, I need to solve, we need to solve this on our own. Or maybe it's something in your personal life. Like, I need to do this, or I need to make this happen, or I need to figure it out. And I'm not saying stop thinking about it. But what I am saying that as followers of Jesus... We are people that we realize we can't solve it totally on our own, that we need the living spirit of God to govern, to guide, to lead, to, put, to give us life and peace. And so what's that place for you? All right, I want to look at one more part of this Romans 8 passage. I want to skip down now to verse 14. Uh, Romans 8 Uh, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And he's particularly using the word sonship there because of... uh, because in the first century, sons had uh, inheritance rights. And he's wanting, to apply, he's wanting to pull that idea in. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And what I, uh, what I pull out of this last section is I think this last section really, if, you know, if the two ideas we've talked about so far is one, that saying we believe in the Holy Spirit means we believe the ultimate reality is relational, it's triune. And two, that to say I believe in the Holy Spirit means that we have a here and now living present tense connection to this God. Three, what I see happening in this paragraph that Paul writes is he pulls these things to these things, these two things together. That our living here and now connection is with this relational three in one God. Because he's saying that our living here and now connection, it brings us into the Trinity, into relationship with the Trinity. That we, we get the spirit of sonship, that we, be, we are people who now can say, I am adopted, I'm part of the family. You are my Abba, you are my Abba God. Abba's like in Aramaic, first century Aramaic, it means something like Papa or Dada. You are my Papa God. That I don't just get some kind of... Uh, benefit at a distance i'm pulled right into relationship with you i am you are my papa god and and jesus is my co he's my brother we are a fan i'm pulled into this living here and now connection with this relational god and i and i want to draw that out because i think when we talk about the holy spirit what i want to argue is this 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 being pulled into the this relationship with god this living here and now this connection that God is our Abba, that is at the heart, him shaping this, this identity of sonship or daughterhood in us. That is at the heart of what it means to believe in the Spirit. And, and what, sometimes when we talk about the Spirit, we can start with like the gifts or benefits of the Spirit. And, and God does give gifts by his spirit. He does give benefits. He does give empowerment and abilities and gifts. Some are like leadership and, or, or, and, and administration and some like healing and, and words of knowledge. But, but those, I, I think those are, the spirit gives those gifts. But when we come back to the center of what the spirit is doing at the center of it is pulling us into relationship with God the Father and God the Son and putting this identity of sonship and daughterhood in us. The story of Jesus. When you read through the biographies of Jesus, the first place we see the adult Jesus encountering uh, the Spirit is at his baptism. I think it's appropriate we were doing baptisms this morning. And we see these, this, this triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, interacting at the baptism of the Son, at the baptism of Jesus. And if you, you read in one of the biographies, it says that Jesus, he's in this river, and he's, he's being baptized. And when he's being baptized, he comes up out of the water. And we read that, that it's like Father God, it, the word is rip, rips open the heavens and looks down on his Son, Jesus. And it says the Spirit comes down like a dove on Jesus. And you know what? What Jesus hears in that moment, the Spirit is coming on Jesus and he hears, you are my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. That when Jesus first has the Spirit come on him, the first thing the Spirit does is imprint, is sear onto his heart, this identity. You are my son. I love you. 
I'm proud of you. And yes, he goes from there and he does, he speaks powerful words and he does mighty deeds and, and he goes through a valley of, of, of betrayal and he goes to the cross. But, it, but I think God knows that the place that you start is this divine, this identity. The Spirit puts this identity on Jesus. You are my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. And that is the Spirit. Paul says that's the Spirit and that's the identity we're given when we trust in Jesus. We're brought into this kind of relationship. Today, we got to see Adam baptized and Gabriel. Gabriel, where'd you go? I know you're in. There you are, Gabriel. Gabriel, Adam, I hope that that was somewhat, that, that somehow you had that experience today. Because I believe it's true. Like, I believe God's spirit dwells in you and on you. And I believe the living God of the universe wants you to hear, I've adopted you into my family. You're my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. The spirit of sonship, of daughterhood, is this, that's the heartbeat, the beginning work of the Spirit of God in us. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You could have a lot worse six-word memoir than that. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that ultimate reality is a divine community of love. Is, is that God is persons in eternal love relationship. That is what is really real. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that we have this living here and now connection to this God. That the things that most matter in this life, that they will happen because we lean into this God. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe this God, this God brings us into relationship with this relational God, and he imprints on us this identity of sonship, of daughterhood. I believe in the Holy Spirit. May, may we be a people who say this together. Let's pray. Spirit, uh, we know you're here. Spirit, sometimes we, uh, sometimes we feel you moving in us. Sometimes we hear you whispering to us. Sometimes we don't, Spirit, but we know you are here and you are at work. And uh, I pray particularly for those in the room that need you to reaffirm uh, their identity this morning. Spirit, would you, would you say those same words? Would you put the, those words in our hearts, Papa God? Would you help us hear those words that you are my son, you're my daughter? Spirit, I pray for those in the room that are facing decisions or questions or problems or situations that just feel uh, beyond them. Or even in ways that we together are facing things that are just beyond us. Or things where we're tempted to solve it and fix it ourselves. And Spirit, would you make us a people that, that we don't just talk about you, but we live 
day by day in your reality, looking to you, being led by you, being governed by you, listening to your desires, letting your desires work in us. Spirit, and we, we know that we can't even, the mistake would be to come up with strategies to make that happen. And so we don't even do that. We just say, Spirit, we need you. Would you meet us here and now? Amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 1400 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.